we are on the third part of our seven-part series of detox this evening. And uh, he kicked us off last uh, two weeks ago uh, talking about fear. And you're going to see tonight's message that there's a lot of similarities from what Garrett shared uh, two weeks ago talking about uh, when it comes to fear and how it affects our lives. And, uh, and um, Tom last week spoke about unbeatenness, a drawing from the story of Naomi in the book of Ruth, and what a treat it was for us uh, as a church to listen to that message. Uh, today, we're talking about unbelief, unbelief. You know, when you hear this common word, unbelief, uh, it can be so easy to, 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 to sort of uh, eject quickly and think, ah, no, this is not for me. No, this is not like a common one. It's not like bitterness. Uh, unbelief, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, it doesn't affect me. But I wanted to encourage us, maybe for the next few minutes, just to, to, to zoom in, because uh, I guarantee you that unbelief affects all of us in one form or another. Before we, 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 we begin, I think it's good to define and explain what we talk about when we say unbelief. You know, there's many definitions of unbelief that I found when I was preparing for this message. The first one I found from the Oxford Dictionary, which basically defines unbelief as lack of religious belief or lack of faith, with uh, many synonyms, which includes atheism, agnosticism, uh, irreligion, heathenism, godliness, doubt, etc. Many synonyms of, of unbelief. But I like this uh, definition that I found of unbelief that I would like to base uh, my, 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 my message on tonight. And it simply says, Unbelief is believing something other than what God has said about a situation. Straightforward. Believing something other than what God has said about a situation. This book of, uh, this, uh, this month of August, we've been reading through the book of Numbers, uh, Numbers as a church, and uh, it's, it's been a great book. I don't know if you, if you, if you enjoyed the, the, the first couple of chapters of the book like I've, I've done in the, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the past few days. You know, we've been reading things like uh, one golden dish of shekels full of incense, one bull from the head, one ram, one male lamb of a year old. You know, when you read this for the fifth time in one passage, you're like, Lord, have mercy on me. Because it just becomes too much like, oh, no. But uh, it needs patience. And, but what, what, what an interesting book it is. And there's a lot of things that you can learn and throw out from a, from the, from the people of God. So this morning, this evening, we'll be drawing as well from the book from uh, from the people of Israel and looking at their journey and looking at what can we learn from them, what can we learn from the unbelief, and what uh, what measures can we put in place so that we don't fall into the same things that that they fell into. So this uh, evening we'll be looking at the Hebrews three, starting. Start reading from verse 7. It will be on your screen. Verse 7 of Hebrews 3 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your forefathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. And I saw in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. Let's jump to verse 16. For who were those who had and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? With whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear? that will not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient, 
So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. You know, fortunately, as I've said, we're going through the book of Numbers, so I don't need to narrate the whole story to you. You, you sort of get the picture. As soon as I read these words, hopefully you still get the picture that we're talking about the people of God. We're talking about the Israelites. We're talking about the people of God when we're going to the promised land and what they did. The writer of Hebrews, he narrates the story from the book of Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy 1, Moses is giving his last speech, as it were, the people of God are about to enter the promised land. And he's looking back and he's reminding them of what they've been through. He's narrating the story to them. He's narrating their journey of what they've, they've been through. If you read uh, Deuteronomy 1 verse 19, it's not going to be scripture. I'm just going to read it for you. Moses says to them, Then we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Benia, and I said to you, we have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. The Israelites were in a place where they are about, is, is reminding them, 40 years before, when they were about to enter the promised land, and they sent spies to go spy the land. And 10 of them came with a bad report saying, we saw the giants there. We saw the Anakites. They were big. We can't, we, can't take, we, we can't go in. Whereas two of them gave a good report, but they never believed it. They grumbled against God. They're like, no, they, they can't do it. Let, let us choose a leader who's going to take us back to Egypt, back to slavery, because we are scared of these people. And Moses says to them, then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of, the, of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God who went before you in the way to seek out a place to pitch your tents, in fire by night and in the cloud by day, to show you by what way you should go. There's just a few things that I want us to, to get from this uh, particular story from a people of God. There are just a few points that I want us to, to take out this, uh, this evening. First thing we learn about unbelief in the Israelites is that unbelief leads to the loss of memory. We saw this two weeks ago with the fear. Unbelief does the same thing. It causes loss of memory. These are the very same people who saw God working, doing marvelous miracles in Egypt, using his mighty hand to take them out of Egypt. They've seen ten plagues in Egypt. They've seen God splitting literally the Red Sea before them, and they walked on dry land. Yet a few months, few months later, they see just giants, and they are scared of them. They think God is unable to deliver them. The very same God who split the, the Red Sea, they think he can't, he, he, he can't fight for them. They started getting terrified. Talk about loss of memory. You know, I was thinking, it's so easy to see it. It's so easy to see this loss of memory from Israel. Like, how, can, how can they not trust God like this? 
But I thought to myself, aren't you all like that? Aren't you all like that? It's so easy for us to lose memory. To, to, to lose memory. You know, we, 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 come out, we come to a certain problem or certain situation and we totally forget of what God has done for us. We think this circumstance is too much for us. Hasn't God won battles for us before? You know, you go through a certain sickness, God delivers you. Years down the line, you go to another sickness and you think, oh, this is it, I'm dying now. And you don't believe that God has taken you from somewhere. You know, some, sometimes we forget where you come from. The, 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 the Israelites forgot how they got there in the first place. And it happens to all of us. We forget how we got here. How we got here. It was God's mighty hand. So whatever comes, we need to believe that God can carry us through. Number two, unbelief leads to blindness. Just as loss of memory, blindness causes us not to see things as they really are. Our judgment is clouded by unbelief. We see problems far greater than our God. We are blind to God's sovereignty. We don't see God's hands in every situation. We don't see that everything works out together for the good of those who love the Lord. We are blinded to those things. You know, when we are blinded, it makes you believe things that are not there about God. These guys, they started believing that because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us. Talk about the total opposite of what God has said. Total opposite. God never said he's going to come and destroy them there. God promised them the land to take them there. Unbelief is believing something other than what God has said. These guys, they start believing something other than what God really said to them. Number three, unbelief leads to fear. You know, even when Moses told them that do not be in dread or afraid of them, the Lord your God goes before you, will himself fight for you, just as he did in Egypt before your eyes. Even after you told them that, no, 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 it's God who will fight your battles. It is God who goes before you and will fight, not you. But still, they were terrified with fear because they never believed that God actually will deliver them. They were full of unbelief. They were gripped with fear because of the unbelief. I think it's fair to say most of our fears, if not all of our fears, there's an underlying root of unbelief in them. When you look at things, maybe in your life, look at things that you're scared of, look at your fears, you will find that there's underlying sense of unbelief. Yet we never trust God enough. We know God's promises, know his word. We know he says, I will never leave you nor so forsake you. But you hear those words, they come from this ear to that ear. We hear them, they are nice. Oh, God will never leave us. But we actually don't believe them. We don't believe them. Because if we did, we, never, we won't live fearful lives. Because we know that in every circumstance, our God is there. As soon as crisis strikes, we fear the unknown. Yet we forget that God is the one who goes before us. 
can think of any fear in your life, there must be this underlying sort of unbelief. Maybe you don't notice it, but you don't, just don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't trust God enough that he's got it. He's got the situation for you. And unbelief leads to stress and worry. You know, most of our stresses and worries as well are rooted in unbelief. I can imagine the stress that the Israelites were going through at the time. When these 10 spies gave the bad report, they must have been stressed. They must have spent sleepless nights thinking, how are we going to do it? Terrified. Because they chose not to believe in God's providence. They chose to believe that God is not able. But we too are like that. Luke 12 says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They neither have storehouses nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? You know, worrying and spending our times, our lives worrying, spending sleepless nights, tossing and turning, thinking about our problems, won't add a single hour to our lives. We spend those times worrying because we have shifted our focus. We have not believed God enough. We have not believed God enough that he's got control of each and every situation, that he knows us in and out, that even the hairs of, in our head is numbered. That he cares for us. Unbelief kills faith and trust. Because of the unbelief, their faith level were rock bottom. Once you have unbelief, your faith levels are in rock bottom. You lose trust in God. You lose trust in his word. You lose trust in his promises. Once we have unbelief, our faith goes down. Even reading the Word, reading the Bible just becomes, just becomes difficult. You open it and your eyes just going, you want to sleep. You just going to church becomes a struggle. Just fellowshipping with the brethren just becomes a struggle because the, the seed of unbelief has festered in your heart. Matthew Henry says, unbelief is at the bottom of all our staggering at God's promises. It is at the bottom of all our staggering at God's promises. Unbelief. Most of us believe that God can do something, but few of us believe that God will do something for us. We believe that God, God, can, God, God can heal, but when it comes to my situation, we doubt that he will. We believe God can provide. We've seen him provide for other people. But when it comes to me, we don't believe that he actually will, he will provide for us. You know, a couple of years ago when I started working, I, I battled with God when it comes to, 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 to tithes and offering and giving. I knew what I was supposed to give. And in my head, I will, I will, I will, I will assess, I will look at, I will look at my, my expenses for the month, and I look at what I should be giving, and I have this dialogue with God. I'm like, God, but this is, this is too much. I can't give this. I, I, I won't make it through the month if I give so much. 
and it was struggling me. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. So I will, I will, at, at times I'll just uh, 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 put a figure in my head, I'm going to give this. But God was challenging me, like, no, no, that's not what I want. You know how much you're supposed to give. You know what you should be giving. I didn't trust God enough that he will provide for me, holding to my, to my finances, until God set me free, like, trust me. And I trusted him. And I gave what I should be giving, that I know I should be giving. And God has been faithful ever since. God has been faithful ever since. If we trust him, that he'll provide. Because I know some many people, they've been struggling just to give. Like, I can't give this. How am I going to survive? They don't trust God that he'll provide. Happens to me. And God set me free. Number six, unbelief displeases God. I was listening to Charles Spurgeon, uh, the great preacher, this uh, past few days when I was preparing for this message. He states that all sin are equal and that there is no sin that is worse than the other sin. But if sin were ever ranked, unbelief will be at the, bot- will be at the top of the list. Because this is one thing that angers God, that displeases God. Stephen Shannock says, as faith is the, greatest gra- is the greatest grace, so that which is opposite of it must be the greatest sin. Unbelief angers God. God gets angry when you don't trust him enough. God is angered when you don't trust him enough. He was angry with the Israelites. At one point, he told Moses, step aside. I'm going to wipe all of them off. And I'm going to take you. Step aside. And Moses has to plead for them. No, no, God, don't do it. It's amazing when you read the book of Numbers. And Moses dialoguing with God. God being angry. No, no, no. I'm going to kill everyone here. And Moses, no, 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 no. These are your people. And Moses comes and cries to God, why did you give me these people? Why did you give me this burden? Amazing dialogue between Moses and God. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they will always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. God was provoked. When they murmured, when they complained, God wasn't pleased. And the same thing happens to us. When we complain, when we mourn, when we spend hours at night not sleeping, stressing about that particular thing, stressing about a colleague at work, stressing about a deadline, stressing about this and that, God doesn't feel pity for us. Say, oh, sorry. We didn't sleep tonight again. He doesn't feel sorry for us, but he's angered and he's provoked. He's, he is provoked. Like, why don't you trust me enough? You're spending hours not sleeping. You're spending hours thinking about this problem. Because you don't believe me enough that I can. You don't believe me enough that I can. We need to have a bigger view of God. Because unbelief displeases him. Number seven, unbelief robs us of the good things that God has for us. We saw this with fear two weeks ago. Same thing with unbelief. It robs us of the good things that God has for us. Verse 11 says, And I saw in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. 
So verse 19, so we, so we see that we're unable to enter because of unbelief. You know, when they started grumbling and complaining and, and wanting to choose a leader to go back to Egypt and say, let us go back to slavery, God was provoked. And, and when, when he wanted to wipe them off and Moses sort of interceded for the people, God said, okay, it's fine. I'm not going to wipe them off, but I'll do this one thing. All of them, all of them. None of these guys, none of this generation, 20 years and above, none of them will enter the promised land. Talk about a loss. So he took them to the desert for 40 years until a single and the last of that generation was dead. And their children entered the promised land because of unbelief. A journey that could have taken less than a year took 40 years because of unbelief. Someone told this morning that sometimes God will, will, will take you on a journey for, for, for 40 years. There will be things in your life that are not changing. And God will be patient. It will take you 40 years because you don't believe him enough. Unbelief will rob some of God's promises, will rob, us, will rob our lives we never reach our full potential in life if we have unbelief. We'll never achieve the mighty exploits for God because we, because we, we, we never believed enough. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Unbelief is different from a believer and an unbeliever. When unbeliever, there's a possibility through unbelief in Jesus, you lose eternity forever because you never believed in him. But as a believer, you're never going to lose your relationship with God, with Christ. But there are things in your life that you're going to lose. There are God's promises that you're going to lose because you don't trust, them, you don't trust God enough. You know, it's easy, to, it's easy to see unbelief written uh, through, 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 through these, these passages, through the Israelites, but it's difficult to see the very same things in our lives. I believe there's a lot of things that you can use as a, as a, as, as, as a litmus test, as it were, to, 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 to help us to, to, to see if we, we harbor again unbelief in our hearts. The first thing is fear. If your life is full of fear, if there are things that you that you're scared about, if there are things that, uh, that, that, that terrifies your life, maybe they're just a root of unbelief that is there. Stress and worry. If you spend your life stressed and worrying more than anything else, maybe there's unbelief in your heart. You don't trust God enough. Maybe there's some negativity in your life. You know that people are just negative. They just never say anything good. You know, once you, once you go to them, you just leave them, you, you, you're down because they're just negative. Their outlook of life is negative. If, if, if maybe you have, you have that negativity, maybe there's unbelief that is happening there, that you don't trust God enough, that God is a great God. Lack of faith. Stop fellowship with other believers. 
you know, when you, when, when you feel like, hey, no, I, don't, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like going to community group. I don't feel like praying. Just maybe there's a root of unbelief. It is there. Fear of failure or rejection. There are people who never, who never try anything because they're scared they're going to they, 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 they fail. They just never try. Maybe there's a root of unbelief. You don't believe that it's not you. Not by, not by strength. Not by power, but by, by, by might, says God. It's him who goes before us. Then what shall we do? What is our response to this? Maybe, we have, maybe you're sitting tonight, you have, you have identified, maybe someone unbelief in your heart, and you say, but what shall we do? I believe there's a few things that we can do to help us. Number one, we need to confess and repent of our unbelief. We need to do an introspection of our lives and say, God, there's an element of unbelief in my heart and I'm sorry for it. In John it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What things are occupying your mind lately? What things are you worried about lately? You can bring those things to God and say, God, I'm sorry. Maybe we didn't know that, God, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was unbelief. I didn't know that I didn't trust you enough. God, I'm sorry. And turn away from it and trust in him. You can say to him, Lord, help my unbelief. Number two, we need to have a biblical view of God. We, we, we need to start believing in God of the Bible. Sometimes you wonder, which God do we believe in? When we spend our time worrying and we wonder, which God do we trust? We need to start believing in the, in the creator of the universe. The one who measures the universe with the span of his hand. The one who neither slumber nor sleep. The one whose hand is not shortened that he cannot save. The one whose ear is not dull that he cannot hear. That's the God we should be, we should be, we should be looking at. Sometimes we reduce him to the size of our problems. We reduce God to the, of our, to the size of our problems. Our God is bigger. Our God is greater than any problem, than any circumstance, than any situation. He is far, far greater. And we need to have a biblical view of him. Sometimes we, we get used to him so much that we don't realize that he's a great God. Number three, we need to immerse ourselves in Scripture. You know, there's nothing that builds faith more than immersing yourself in Scripture, reading for yourself what Scripture says. It's good to, to listen to messages like this where you get inspired, but there's nothing that builds more faith than looking through the book and let Scripture tell you about God. Let Scripture speak to you. See it for yourself. That builds your faith. When we hear of God's mighty exploits, when you read of his greatness, when you read of stories in the Bible of people, ordinary people, like Abraham, who did not weaken in faith, who didn't, who did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was, which was good as dead, or he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced 
that God was able to do what he had promised. Abraham, fully convinced that God is able to do what he's promised. When you, read those, when you read those stories in the Bible, when you read those stories in Scripture, we get inspired. Our faith is built up. Number four, worship. You know, there's something about worship that just builds faith. You know, when you come in, when you, when you, when you, when you, when you come in and we're singing, worshiping God, there's just something you, you you can just fill the room that the faith levels goes up. But not only when we're singing here, yeah, just our lifestyles to be a life of worship in our workplaces, to live a life of worship at school, wherever you are at home, to live a life of worship. When you are in, when you're living a life of worship, we're living in the continual presence of God. And when we're living in the continual presence of God, it is difficult for us to have unbelief because we dwell in the presence of God. God is amongst us anyways and it's difficult to, to have unbelief because he's there with us. We know that he's there, he's, there, he's there with us. Number five, the fellowship, fellowship with the unbelievers. You know, this is an old enemy trick. It uses all the time. It has worked for decades, for centuries. It still works today. Amazing, eh? Yet when devil wants something from you, or when, there's a, when you think there's sin in you, or when there's unbelief, he separates you from the flock. You just stop coming, you just stop coming to church. You, you, you just start coming to the community group. You, you just separate yourself. It's what the enemy wants. Yet, no, I want to separate you. You know, it is difficult to build faith alone. You, you, you can't build faith to a certain extent by, 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 by watching TV, listening to preachers on TV, but uh, your faith is built up when the brethren come together, when the brethren come together in unity. That builds faith. Hebrews 3, in verse 12 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another, Every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hidden by the deceitfulness of sin. You know, an unbelieving heart will let us fall away from a living God and will take us from unbelievers, from the fellowship of the unbelievers. Because the enemy knows that once, once we in the compound of, of, of believers, our faith will be built up and it takes us away from that. I exhort us this evening like the right of Hebrews, to encourage one another, to exhort one another daily, that none of us may have unbelief that is festering in our hearts. Lastly, surrender. Give your unbelief to God. Surrender your plans to Him. Surrender everything to Him. Surrender that He takes charge of your life. If you're an unbeliever, then I charge you to surrender even your life to him. To bring your life to him as it is. I say, Father, take control of my life. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness. You know, this evening, if you hear just a prompt of the Holy Spirit, don't wait another day. Don't wait another day. Do business with God today. Let the King of Glory come into your life. 
Let him do the work. Welcoming him in your life. Let's stand this evening as you're about to, to pray. This evening, I'm not going to call us to come in front. Because if I were to call us to come in front, I will be the first one that needs prayer when it comes to unbelief. You cannot imagine just yesterday with family coming, I, 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 didn't fin- I hadn't finished preparing for the sermon and I was stressed like nothing. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? I'm like, but I'm talking about unbelief. I should be believing that God has got it. But no, I spend time worrying. It is so easy to fall into a trap. Let's close our eyes about to pray. I want to pray for us that we can identify unbelief in our heart, that we can repent of it, that we can turn away. Just think of things in your heart right now, in your life right now, that have unbelief as a root. Maybe it's fear, maybe stress and worry, whatever it is. You do the business with God in your own heart this evening. Lord Jesus, when I come to you as a, as, as, as a body of Christ, we identify things in our lives that are rooted in unbelief in you. We want to apologize to God. We want to say sorry for not trusting you enough. Sorry for not believing you enough. Sorry for spending hours worrying about things that we shouldn't be worrying about. Sorry for not giving our problems and our, our cares to you. We say we repent of that, Lord God. We want to turn away tonight. We want to do business with you, Lord God. We say, Lord Jesus, come and, ta- and change us. Change atmosphere in our lives, Lord God. We want to pray that we may trust you and trust you alone. If there's any unbelief in us, Lord Jesus, may you come and take it away and set us free, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.